Hey everyone, it's Kristen. I've been writing paranormal and horror articles for hunttokiller.com slash blog for a little while now, and I wanted to let you know that we've also turned them into a podcast. It's called Hunt a Killer Deep Dives, and you can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. It's a great way to get the same material if listening works better for you. Here's a little clip of the latest episode. Along with alien theories inevitably come government cover-up theories. In this case, if not only is it true that Bigfoot is an alien, but that the government knows, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's threatening. Perhaps it's really about what the existence of Bigfoot implies about what else might be out there. It could create a domino effect, like the reverse of finding out Santa isn't real and then wondering if this means that the Easter Bunny's out too. Of course, and I must again remind you we're having fun thinking about weird stuff, maybe it isn't that Bigfoot isn't a physical being. Perhaps he was, and now he's passed. Real physical people pass on and become non-physical ghosts. Perhaps Bigfoot is an undiscovered but very physical being who's now also seen in non-physical form. Could Bigfoot be a ghost? Maybe he was an undiscovered primate and also a weird ghost Bigfoot thing? They're all under 10 minutes long, and I hope you enjoy. Subscribe to Hunt a Killer Deep Dives to get more. I, I truly feel amped. This is probably what kids felt like on the debate team. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we have part two of hot takes from you, the listener, and a couple from us sprinkled in as well. I love this. I do too. It's super fun. You guys absolutely delivered. If you haven't listened to Hot Takes Part 1, go back and check that out. But you sent in so many that it had to overflow into a second episode. Mm -hmm. It deserves its own space. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> does. Now, just like in the first part, William, I think that we should kick things off with one of our own hot takes. And I invite you to take the floor. Okay, I can do Give that. me a hot take. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's see. Which one should I pick here? <laughs> I'm going to go with – I have a real hot take in here, but I think it's something that I've sort of like railed against in other places. Well, I'm um, curious. Don't go into it, but just what is it? Is it, it about it, prestige horror? No, not really. It's It's about how horror and comedy do go together, but not the way I think a lot of modern movies do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, – this one. This is this is weird. You should absolutely, absolutely be making sequels to bad movies. I think that uh, right now, uh, or maybe maybe I'll broaden this to just be sequels are good. Okay. <laughs> I think that a lot of people consider sequels to be lesser than the original movie or something like that, or that they're weaker, I, or there's the joke of like, what are you going to go to space? Kind of gone away. No, I don't. No? No. Hmm. No, I think that maybe in public consciousness, but not at the studio level. I think hmm. that, um, you know, I guess, you know, there are some things that are exempt. I think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is exempt from this. Those are not sequels. That's like an ongoing Yeah, it's saga. a continuation. Exactly. I'm talking about, like, I here's basically what it boils down to. I want a sequel to It Follows, right? Oh, okay. And yeah. I know that that probably, probably wouldn't live up to the original. Yeah. But to me, 
It's all gravy. I just want it. I'm fine with it. I agree. I just want more. I think there's a stigma. You don't make a sequel to Get Out, right? You shouldn't. Yeah. Except, of course you should. I want to see it. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, yes, I absolutely want to see it. A lot of times if I like something, I just want to see my friends again. So I don't really care if it's not as good. Because, again, we've also, there's a hot take that I know we've talked to death. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away the original one. So who gives a crap if it's not that good? It's not that big a deal. But I also understand from the creator's standpoint of just like wanting it to just be a singular thing that lives on its own. I'm fine with the creator feeling that way. Yeah. I -hmm. think that there are still just as many people that would view the potential of a sequel and see potential. You know, like I I think that maybe Jordan Peele would be like, hey, listen, I said everything I have to say with Mm -hmm. with us. (laughs) What else am I I supposed to do sequel to us? But yeah. like, I'm sure there are a bunch of people that are out there are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean you, you know, what don't you do with a sequel to us? Don't you see that like the, the like psychological ramifications of this event could be a story into itself? You mm-hmm. know, like I, I want to see where this goes. Yeah. I actually think that a sequel is a fun opportunity, even though most people view it, I think, as something that like squanders or does ruin the original. You know, like a lot of people make fun of like, uh, um, you know, Friday the 13th or something like that. You know, Jason goes to space. Leprechaun went to the hood twice. Right. Right. Like, right. All of these. That, things yeah. That are I feel, I guess you're right. I guess I'm thinking when you say sequel, I was just thinking of the second movie. Right. But you're right. People do see like subsequent sequels as having diminishing returns. Yes. Right. But Which like, they often do. They often do. Cares? Yeah. But who, who cares? They're, yeah. they're there, they have the, the potential, and if they squander that potential, then that's on the, those filmmakers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's on that movie. But, like, nobody looks back at Halloween and really ends up going like, oh, the sequels ruined the original. Nobody right. really thinks that. But we sort of act that way about modern films, right? Like, hmm. yeah. you wouldn't want a sequel to – well, a lot of people do want a sequel to Cabin in the Woods, but wouldn't it be horrible to not just leave it alone? That's what I hear a lot. Leave it alone. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah, and who cares? I don't want to leave it alone. I want to make more stuff. I want to yeah. I want to take more shots. I want to try new things with old material. Mm-hmm. I like sequels. I think sequels are a good playground for ideas. Mike Flanagan, uh, who now is best known for, you know, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Dr. Sleep, like a very, you know, respected, revered director. Do you know one of the first things that like got his his foot in the door to to get up to that level? He directed Ouija two. Yeah, Ouija two. Mm-hmm. Who wanted a sequel to Ouija? But somebody <laughs> saw the potential yep. and made their movie. Right? Do you remember that originally Rihanna was attached to the Ouija movie? I know. <laughs> yes, something <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, so weird. Mike Flanagan was tasked with making you know what most people would. Uh, expect to be just sort of like a nothing sequel and then decided no you know what i'm not gonna like rest or anything i'm gonna knock it out of the park i'm gonna crush yeah. it and it and why it not led to some of the best new stuff sequels are often a breeding ground for untested you know talent and mm-hmm. people um also uh as far as it follows goes i remember right after it follows came out one of the producers was like well we have been uh talking about a sequel I don't want to give too much away, but I'll say this. The movie's called It Follows, right? <laughs> Swap those words around. Oh, my God. I hate it when people do stuff like that. Just let you figure it out. 
right? He, he makes yeah, like when Ted Bundy <laughs> said, you know, they said, "Did you kill thirteen people?" He said, "Add one to that." It's like I don't know. Could you just tell me the answer? Yeah, add one more digit or add yeah. one more count. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you? I don't but, care to figure this out, Ted. <laughs> no, like, and also it just, I feel like it's, it's them feeling very cute. Right. Yeah. 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 And like, very cute. Of, so wait, anyway, so would it follows have a sequel called follow it? It'd be called, well, or if you swap those it? words around, it's follows it, which is right, but, you know. terrible. But then yeah. he did sort of explain, he's like, yeah, why don't we go back and try to figure out where this whole thing started? Which honestly. Fine. In a post COVID world, right? Like that's contact sure. tracing. Yeah, absolutely. That's contact tracing. Go back through the chain of people to try to see how far back you can get. It's like following your own family tree. That does sound fun. That does sound interesting. That does sound fun. And you know what it reminds me of? Um, I haven't read this and I haven't read any of the books, but Twilight just had this year, I guess you would call it a sequel, but a book came out called Midnight Sun that was the events of Twilight from Edward's perspective instead of Bella's. And I actually think that's an awesome idea. That's interesting. I think it's really interesting. I think you can do really cool stuff with that. Yeah. And the uh, follow it kind of thing reminds me of that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why mm-hmm. not? It's it's not yeah. going to ruin what came before. Not really. It, no. It's just potential. It's, there. it's potential for more greatness sure. using something that you already know. What's what's wrong with that? And already like, by the way, probably. If it's going to get a sequel, it probably was pretty successful. True. Or it's an People opportunity to it. win me over into something that I otherwise wouldn't really care about. Ouija. I ended up watching them because I heard how great Ouija 2 was. Yeah. So, like, I really just think that they are, like, they're potential. They're little potential bombs. Set them off. Let's go. Why not? Make make fun stuff. Yeah, nothing. I don't think anything you can, like, paint with a broad brush and say is bad just by virtue of the category that it's in. Oh, totally agreed, yeah. It's not bad because it's a sequel. Right. Or whatever. A thousand percent. But, yeah, yeah, in and of themselves, though, still sequels, yes, they're more of the same. But the goal of filmmaking is to tell stories, tell great stories, forge a connection, t- tell some emotional truth. That's why I think Scream holds up is because we're still sticking with Sidney Prescott and seeing the aftermath of Scream 1 and then following the progression of her coping with her place in this world now that she mm-hmm. is uh, a target and a hero and uh, the, the one that foretells the doom. Like, mm-hmm. I, I find those to be very interesting emotional stories. And without sequels, you don't get that. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. I'm with you on that hot take. There you go. All right. Now let's go to some of your hot takes at home. This one was from Lindsay. And she said that it's not original. But I I guess it rings a bell to me. But I don't know a ton about it. So I'm not going to reject this hot take on face value. Um, Their hot take is... Hot take, not original. Aliens are us from the future. Yeah. Yeah. Discuss. So are aliens this like elevated, enlightened version of us, I guess? Is it tourism to come back and see what you used to be? Right. Right. Is it Scrooge on a tour looking at what happened in his life? Right. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like, it's a wonderful life. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe there's some future alien that's like, sucks i hate being out here and thinking with my mind and communicating from brain to brain right and then they're like oh really you don't appreciate what you have glorp non five mm-hmm. take a journey <laughs> with me and then they come or back pitu. here pitu yeah. come on back pitu we're gonna show you where you came from 
And right, and make you appreciate what you have. It's all toilet using our cell phones. And he's like, <laughs> take me back. This is horrible. Take me back. I'll appreciate my life. <laughs> I will eat yeah. my Nutri pellets and not complain. <laughs> I, I think it's a cool theory. I think it's a cool hot take. Yeah. That I think is, it's interesting. It is. It's interesting, too, because it also indicates that any sighting of a UFO is, right. is uh, part of human history mm-hmm. in a way, right? Like, it, at some point in the future, they would be teaching classes about how um, a time traveler got caught, but nobody realized that they were time traveling. Right. You know what I mean? Like, would that yeah. be a class into itself about, like, the folly of time travel because you might get caught and it might create a little, like, pocket discussion of extraterrestrials? Yeah. Right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it bends the mind. Yeah. Plus, it also then proves to us here and now today that we will one day achieve the ability to create these amazing flying machines that can move all fast right. and can hover in place and, and zip and zigzag in odd directions. Yeah. Like a helicopter, you've got to like, you got to turn that, you know, the, 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 the whirly bird up there to make sure that you're going in the exact right direction. It's kind of floaty and weird. A, a plane can really only go in one broad direction and take broad, you know, like wide turns, but UFOs, the way they're described, it's like, meow. Vomp, vomp. <laughs> they, they can just, go anywhere. They go exactly Up, where they down, want to go. Down, sideways. We're going to yeah, make so all I guess kinds of stuff. It's showing the the great strides in human invention exactly. that we could be hitting. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's fun. Okay. This is from Caitlin. Black Christmas, the 1974 version, is much scarier than Halloween. Oh. Thoughts. I think that might be be true i haven't seen black christmas in a long time and i believe i'll be watching it soon for the show actually yeah and um i think black christmas might be freakier than halloween to me you know that i that's, think that's interesting it, i'm also, not saying better uh-huh. necessarily because i really love halloween i would say halloween is better than black christmas but I think that I am more unsettled by Black Christmas than Halloween. Yes. So I think I might be with Caitlin on this hot take. Unsettling is a thousand percent right. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, it, it gets back to the core of what is a scary movie and what does a scary movie do. I don't know that a scary movie often scares me. Same. It presents subject matter, which is frightening if you're in that situation. But Mm -hmm. I know that I'm in my living room. Right. However, there's a quality to Black Christmas that is so uncomfortable and odd. Yeah, it's a bit off. The, like, timing of it is a little off. Things just go on and on and on. One of those, uh, they get, get, you know, an intimidating, violent phone call from -hmm. somebody that they can't see. And he's just going, you pig, you pig. Just, like, not saying things that make any sort of logical sense or right. they're not things that um, you can even understand what mindset he's in. And it's so unhinged. You get the idea that the person on the phone is so detached from reality that it does make you feel vulnerable somehow. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird movie. And Halloween is, is great, but Halloween I almost think is like, now these days it's it's almost just like an interesting little work of art. Like it's just like yeah, a slow and it's very moving. straightforward. Yeah, very straightforward. Yeah. Like there's a bad guy 
and he's coming for you and he's yep. going to be unrelentingly coming for you. And that's part of what's so cool about it is the simplicity, I think, mm-hmm. and the the unrelentingness too. Yep. It's just, it's coming. He's mm-hmm. walking. He doesn't even have to run for you. It's just happening. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like a shark attack movie. And then black yeah. Christmas is like, um, all over just, the place, kind of. I don't even know what the hell this guy's motive is. <laughs> yeah, like what's happening? Be, Why is he doing this? He's really worked up, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Ooh, know what's going on. This guy has a bee in his bonnet. It sure does. Woo! So I got to say, I do find it more unsettling and hence scarier than Halloween. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and agree. All right, now, Will. This next one from Barb is something that I may need my memory refreshed on a bit. Okay. And it's something that we either might have to look up on the computer as we're talking, or you might have it at the ready. I feel like it's not impossible that you're going to be right there with this. Barb says, Detective Hoffman from Saw needs to have survived his last trap. My friend and I refuse to believe he didn't. I'm ready. Now, okay. You're ready for that? Okay, so I know that it's left somewhat open-ended it's definitely the implication is that he will not have survived this trap but you don't see him actually die in it right um do you recall what the the end uh, for detective hoffman is in that movie i do it's that um carrie elwes the doctor from the first movie we find out that he is jigsaw's apprentice having survived his trap and he then like kidnaps Detective Hoffman, who was also a Jigsaw apprentice, mm-hmm. but like they don't like him for some reason. I don't remember. And puts him in that bathroom that he was in. Right. He places him in there and he has a cane. And then he goes to the door with his cane and he says, game over, just like Jigsaw did, but with much less uh, to, to less effect, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's correct. And then slams the door. Yes. And so we don't know that Detective Hoffman died, but we were meant to believe he did. And so I can understand why Barb would say, like, he needs to have survived that. I'm not buying that he didn't. Yeah, there, there is precedent. He was a tenacious guy. Yeah, absolutely. That I remember. Was. Yeah, he uh, 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 truly relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the reason that they're they're getting rid of him is that he sort of uh, flew off the deep end, Detective Hoffman. He um, he, pretty, he was going rogue a little or something. Yeah, he was he was creating a bunch of traps that people couldn't possibly escape from. Okay. He was sort of um, uh, uh, sipping his own tea a little mm. too much. I think I don't He's think feeling that, himself, feeling his oats. He was. I don't think that he was quite following the jigsaw. There's a whole thing in the Saw series that you know jigsaws mentality and methodology is is paramount that right. you know he puts you in the trap he doesn't kill you he gives you an opportunity to escape yourself and so Hoffman wasn't quite mm. doing that he was kind of selfishly going about his his goals right. um now uh Kristen I I I do have to say I can't turn this to to show you but I am watching the end of Saw 3D right this second great uh because I just wanted to confirm a few things so mm-hmm. Saw the iconic location of Saw is the bathroom, yeah. right? It's like this like a uh, very industrial bathroom. And uh, in the very first movie, Carrie Elways is chained in there with his foot to a pipe. At the end of that movie, he uses a hacksaw to cut off his foot. The very famous moment from the trailer is uh, realizing we've got these hacksaws. It's not to cut through the chains. It's to cut through our feet. We have seen people in that bathroom in like, I want to say four, at least four of the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Detective Matthews 
There's a character named Detective Matthews played by Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. And in Saw 3, he begins that movie chained up in that bathroom with his foot in a shackle. Right. He has no access to a hacksaw. But he is tenacious as well and refuses to, to, to let this be the end. So he just grabs the lid of a toilet nearby and crushes his foot until he can slip it through the shackle and leave. Oh my God, and that's he, right. He does get out. I just watched at the end of Saw 3D. Detective Hoffman is indeed shackled in the bathroom. Carrie Elways picks up the hacksaw that he had used in Saw 1 to cut off his own foot and dramatically throws, throws it, it at the camera because this is a 3D movie. <laughs> and it, it is to say, no, 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 you don't get to have the hacksaw. You're dead meat. But Right, because you didn't let other people have the opportunity. You didn't give them the hacksaw metaphorically. Exactly. But we've got precedent set by Saw 3 that you can still escape that exact trap. So I'm going to say, Sure. Yeah, I'll go with that. I do yeah. think that they've already proven in the franchise that you can ex escape that exact scenario. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't this guy be able to? I, I don't think that he's just going to sit in there and, and and let himself you know starve to death or anything like that. I do Especially because this guy has gotten into a lot of scraps and stuff before. Right. And, and come out on top-ish. Yes. So, so I think he's fine in a way. Per the reality of that world, I think that he'd get out of there. I don't know if that means that he'd be part of any future movie. Like very famously, they're doing the Chris Rock reboot. I have no idea what's going on with that, but I bet Detective Hoffman's not part of that I don't think equation. So. But like, you know, if there's an extended Saw universe, I would absolutely say that he's out there. I would too. I remember that guy was just going, going at it. Yeah. Like I just, I did, I, I will admit I had to Google real quick. Just, I just want to see Detective Hoffman's face. Yeah. So I remember the right person. I was like, oh, this guy. Costas he Mandalore. Got, he got out of there. Yes, he exactly. There. He survived he the bear trap. He was on Sex in the City. Yep. He mm -hmm. survived the reverse bear trap as well. So he's, yes, he did. he's meant to survive even the most uh, gnarly, the, the original iconic traps. That guy's He's wily. He that is. big blockhead's got a brain in it with tenacity for days. Totally. It's kind of a shocker that they didn't bring him back for Jigsaw because there is a movie after Saw 3D yeah. that they yeah. just don't even like touch on him. They, they act as if he's not around, but I don't know if they go so far as to say he's dead. So I think Hope is still out there. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. 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 Agreed. No, Agreed. No. He would mm -hmm. survive. Keep the faith, Barb. We, we're with you and your friend. Don't give up on him. No, not yet. Okay, so Tracy um, has something that, as we record, is timely. Maybe not when this actually airs. Tracy says, The Muppet Christmas Carol is actually the scariest film ever made. The scariest film ever made. That might, I don't be, know that might be a true hot take for me. That I yeah, think that's a hot take. I don't know about scariest film ever made, yeah. but I will say, on Patreon in December, <laughs> our episode was about... Um, like freaky things from holiday movies and we spent a lot of time on the Muppet Christmas Carol talking about the ghost of Christmas past right. and the ghost of Christmas future who are both very scary very bizarre very creepy um, yes unsettling for a child you know they're perfectly fit for a kid mm -hmm. there are some movies that like you know Poltergeist is PG but right. I don't know if I would show that to a kid under 13, right? It's just because the ratings board Poltergeist at the time. Poltergeist is PG? It might even be G. 
No, there is absolutely no way Poltergeist is G. It may not be. Nerd. I would have thought R, but I'll, I would have been willing to believe PG-13. I would be shocked to hear it's PG. Let's see. PG. That scary face melting. That's it's, nuts. It's, it's PG. The 80s were a wild time. Yeah, PG-13 didn't exist yet. Really? Oh, sure. So, um, you know. I, I think that there are a lot of movies that I'm technically are, are meant to be fit for kids. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if you would show it to them. Muppets sure. Christmas Carol is definitely something you can show to a kid. Definitely. And yes. there are just enough intense things in it that it might be at the upper echelon of spooky stuff for children. Yeah, it definitely, right? I think it is. I would say for kids, it's one of the scarier movies that are made for kids and that you would show to a kid. Because it really is, right. those ghosts really are pretty scary. So on that level of that tier mm-hmm. of things that you can comfortably show to kids, it might be up there as one of the scariest. I yeah. agree with that. But beyond yeah. that, I think I want to applaud this as a true hot take. I agree. Because, yeah, I've so far been like, I see it. This one, I, I don't find it to be the scariest film ever made. I will also say it's not impossible that Tracy was saying this in a tongue-in-cheek way. Possibly, possibly. I, I don't even I, care. But I, I don't want to put that on her in case that's not the case. I, I triumph it and I Yes, for it. being a true, that is a spicy take. Genuine spicy take. Yes. Okay, here's another spicy take. This is from Caitlin. Caitlin says... The Amityville haunting and the events at Skinwalker Ranch are definitely made up. Definitely. Now, I have weirdly been thinking about Amityville a decent amount lately. Um, It came up on a recent episode that we recorded where somebody said, what is one of your favorite haunting cases? I think it was a listener stories episode. And I started to say Amityville horror is something that I've come back to a number of times in life, but that I don't think I can really say is my favorite because I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I then started listening to an episode of a podcast I really like called the Bigfoot Collectors Club, where they did a deep dive in the Amityville hor- on the Amityville horror case. I'm not done with the episode yet, but just even re kind of establishing the story of it and seeping myself in it has got my mind to spin in. And Caitlin, I think I agree with you. I think the Amityville haunting is made up. I think so. The the Amityville haunting is the the Lutz family. The, yep. Mm-hmm. So the Lutz family claimed that they saw anything from the floating head of a pig um, yeah. to the ghosts of the DeFeo or were like reliving the, the events yeah, they, that led to the murder, the DeFeo murders. Yeah. I'm the DeFeo to think. was the, 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 the DeFeos were a family that lived in that house previously. Yes. And it's factual that um, the son of the family, Ronald DeFeo, murdered the entire rest of the family. That's right. factual and not disputed. But yet, yeah, so they say that they see like, yeah, like a, a weird like pig figure with with red laser eyes, that there's an upstairs sewing room that gets entirely swarmed with flies, that there is a red room in the basement that uh, they don't know the purpose for. And maybe it ends up being filled with blood or something like that. They're having disturbing dreams about the DeFeos. And famously, they only stayed there for something, 30-something days, I think it is, let's say, before fleeing without any of their personal items and never coming back. Right. Right, And then they did a lot of press about it. Um, There was a book. There was a movie, all this stuff. And it was also kind of found out in subsequent times that they were having money trouble. They owed a whole lot of money. They were having tax problems. And so some people said they made this up for publicity and money. 
And I think that I agree with that. Yeah, I, I you know what? I'm going to, I think I can agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it's a cool story. I think that because it was one of the first like grown up horror books that I read when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I think it really lodges off my brain. I always really enjoyed revisiting it in different ways, but now with a little bit more remove and adult perspective, um, I do think it was made up. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. So here's a hot take. Probably most famous hauntings are made up. I would have to think case by case, but I, I don't dispute that. I'm not on saying, its face. yeah, I'm not gonna give an example of one and say that it's not true, but just like pure numbers game, mm-hmm. the majority. So that could be 51 percent if you want to say, mm-hmm. the majority of famous haunting cases are just not true. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? There, are, there are a lot of cases, and again, I can't even think of one to call up, but there'll be cases of things where I think that something did happen maybe. And then that people maybe get caught up in their own fame and play it up more or something like that. Maybe. Do you think that's the case? Or you're saying you think that they're out and out made up? I think that, uh, like maybe, deliberately, like I know I'm lying and I'm making up a story. Is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, little of column a little of column B. I think some of it mm-hmm. might be people telling mm-hmm. a small story that snowballs and gets out of control, mm-hmm. like a big game of telephone. I saw something weird and then it becomes the woman in room. You know, yeah. Right. Four one nine. You know, like it just like really just gets away from you. Yeah. Um, to something like the Amityville haunting, where it's just a, a purely made up thing that you can like get a bunch of attention for and probably get money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think it runs the full gamut there. But I'll, I'll just say it here because, again, like pure numbers, like I think that the likelihood of so many places being haunted and we have zero evidence for it versus. The human social creature's predilection to storytelling um, and that storytelling often deliberately blurring fact and fiction running rampant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's more likely that people all over the place have made up stories, not even necessarily maliciously, just as part of like like a... you know, the way your brain works. The way your brain works. And now here we are with a million and one haunted places. Mm-hmm. That's more likely to me that... I think that is a hot take. Right? Like, people all over the world... Like, it's fun. We've, we've talked about how, like, even way back in episode one, like, the boogeyman, every culture has its own boogeyman. You can either say that's because the boogeyman is real, or you can say it's because we all share the same innate human trait of telling stories via the oral tradition and giving warnings to each other via storytelling and not trusting your kids to listen to you and keep it down up there, please. For the love of God, can I get some sleep? So you say there's a monster is going to eat you if you don't keep it down. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of hundreds of years, that becomes the sack man. That becomes the boogeyman. Yeah. Um, I think it's more likely that all of these hauntings come from that proven trait of ours as humans to do this Fair. than actual ghosts all over the place, like literally everywhere, right? Like we should That's have fair. evidence, especially. I think it's, I don't know. I know. I, I, it would be great to have evidence, but I think some things are how lucky. How lucky provable. are ghosts that when the camera was invented, it didn't work on them. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like, how lucky are they? Well, maybe they don't care. What do you mean? Maybe they're not lucky. Maybe they wish it worked on them. I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. doesn't seem like they're trying to evade capture all that often. If anything, it's the opposite. What do you mean? You constantly it seems like they're trying. Coast. Yeah, they, they want to be. They want to be seen. It seems like they're yeah, not they're like slamming doors, uh, right? Uh, yeah, they're trying. Yeah, they <laughs> wish that the camera would pick them up. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I can I can agree with that. I also just uh, looked up my own notes for the Skinwalker Ranch episode. We did it in way back in episode one thirty six. Mm-hmm. of Guide to the Unknown. And uh, this was the story where there were multiple UFO sightings um, where people even drew, you know, what it is that they saw. And it's like a very much like a prototypical flying saucer type UFO. And they also said that there was a creature with glowing yellow eyes out mm-hmm. there. Like, just like, so like big old smorgasbord of stuff is really what it boils down to. Like, Everything happened at Skinwalker Ranch. The only reason that I'm even going to... I mean, I just gave you a big heaping dose of Will the Skeptic. Here's some of Will the Believer. There is a property magnate who in 2016... ...purchased the land on uh, Skinwalker Ranch uh, and is guarding it carefully. There's fencing surrounding the entire area. Cameras document everything that happens there. They monitor the temperature. They track vibrations. They track sound frequencies. Um, I think that there is, um, again, like to go with human traits, um, I, as much as I think that it's likely for us to make stuff up, I also think that people don't like wasting their money. And I yeah. think people like to spend money on things that they're investing in. And somebody believes some, you know, someone really, really believes enough to open up their wallet that something's up with Skinwalker Ranch, which is enough to make me go, hmm, interesting. Yeah, right. So I'll give it that. I'll give Skinwalker Ranch the idea that people are greedily, greedily observing that land and don't want you to get close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember Skinwalker Ranch really well enough to say whether I think that that's all made up or not. But my general thought about it was that the people seemed very sincere yeah. in what they thought was going on. So I'm less inclined to agree with that part of it. But like I said, I also think that Amityville was made up. I think that the kids who were kids at that point might not even realize it. There might have been some suggestion from their parents. Right. I don't really necessarily think the parents were like, hey, kids, this is what we're going to do. Um, but I think the parents made it up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, let's get to more hot takes. But before we do that, uh, let's tell you a little bit about a Guide to the Unknown. Every Please. episode might be somebody's first, Kristen. So this That's could right. be somebody's uh, exposure to us in the first place. If so, thank yeah. you so much for hanging out with us and getting this far into the episode. Hope you're enjoying it so far. If you are, please consider subscribing so that you can keep up to date with Guide to the Unknown and get every new show as it comes out. If you're enjoying this, we'd also really encourage you to help spread the word about our humble little show. Tell your friends. Tell everybody you've ever met. Even tell the world by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this is a great place to uh, to tell everybody what do you think of the show that we're doing here. Uh, and it, it certainly brightens our day. I check Apple Podcasts almost daily. And I always love to see what people have to say about the show. Honestly, good or bad. But hey, if you hit me with those five stars, I'm going to have stars in my eyes for days. He's um, a happy boy. I truly, truly am. So please consider that. Uh, we also have a Patreon 
There are a lot of shows out there that uh, are supported by Patreon entirely, and we're basically one of them. So please go to patreon.com slash pod if you're enjoying this show and you want it to stay healthy and vital forever. Uh, mm-hmm. For your donation of $4 a month at the Netherworld Warrior level, you're going to get access to an exclusive podcast just for our patrons called The Netherworld Dispatch. Kristen and I watch clips from movies and talk about them. We've listened to to, to music, scary music together. Uh, we have talked about all sorts and of- And talked about it. And talked, yeah, we don't just <laughs> sit there nodding our head. <laughs> right. mm. All of those shows are available to listen to and watch on Patreon, whichever one you prefer. Um, we've also got a Discord that you can only access through that Patreon. So it really expands the scope of Guide to the Unknown to back us on Patreon. You get you get a, a bunch for supporting us, and we really, really can't thank you enough if you decide to Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Thank um, you so much to our patrons. Follow at GTTUPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram so that you always know when new stuff is on the way. And uh, hit up GTTUPod.com, the home of Guide to the Unknown, so that you can find links to all of these places and even to our merch and stuff like that. If you want to wear your Guide to the Unknown pride, show the entire <laughs> world. Make a make a point. Take a stand. No all. Say, I'm not going to take it anymore. I like Guide to the Unknown, and I'm not afraid who knows it. That's right. <laughs> I'm here. I'm proud. I'm here. Here I am. <laughs> Don't you see me? <laughs> I'm wearing this cool shirt. <laughs> Come on. So you can get all that at gttupod.com. You absolutely can. Hey, Wyatt. Oh, hey, Jake. You ever get so scared you giggle? Yeah, yes, I do. Huh. Well, you ever giggled so hard you learned? Totally. Really? In that case, you ever learned so much you got scared? Yes. And if you're like me, you should check out Super Duper Stitious, a comedy podcast about the science of the spooky. I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. We're a couple of scientists with a fondness for the creepy and the strange. Join us as we tell tales of the bizarre before breaking things down through the power of science. Do we have an answer for everything? No. But we do have a great time pondering it all, and hopefully you will too. You'll laugh, you'll learn, you'll love it. Check out Super Duper Stitious anywhere podcasts are found. We'll see you there. See ya. All right. Back to the takes. (laughs) William, I'm going to come back in this segment with my hot take. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, my hot take is that I think all forms of entertainment are equally valuable. I think that people saying that reading is better than watching TV is better than watching movies, is watching better than playing video games, is a bunch of BS. Yeah, malarkey. They are, it's malarkey. They are all about taking in stories or taking in info and being entertained and also kind of zoning out a little bit. And they all rule. I love to read, but I let y'all just calm down. I don't think it's any better than anything else. I don't think TV rots your brain. I don't think video games do either. I think that they are all awesome and they all have their place. I uh, have a hot take for you. I completely agree. (laughs) Wouldn't it be weird if I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Except you know what I hate? audiobooks you know like yeah they stink yeah listening to an audiobook (laughs) is exactly the same as reading a book obviously not in practice but it is just as valuable you're not cheating yeah you're not doing anything there's no reason 
for like watching something to be rotting your brain, mm-hmm. but reading the same kind of thing to make you a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, I think they are all the same. I completely agree. There was a, a period of time, and you know, I may have surpassed it, but now I have a big old house here. But um, there was a, a period of time where I had like a huge movie collection. And uh, at a certain point, I was like, ah, like I get all my movies arranged. I would organize my DVDs and my Blu-rays. I would order my BVDs. My BVDs would be right next to my DVDs. (laughs) I would, um, you know, organize them alphabetically. Sometimes I'd put all the same directors together. Sometimes the writer was king for a franchise, and so this little section is organized by the person who wrote the screenplays, whatever. And then I started casting my eye over to the bookshelf and thinking, oh wait, 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 should that (laughs) be a separate? thing because it's a different medium or shouldn't these things all be together like if you want the shining shouldn't the book the shining be on the shelf right next to the movie the shining shouldn't they be side by side like i really like got into my head like these all these things should all be the same i want them i just the room just spinning around you like how do i organize this like magneto commanding all of my belongings all my collection of things how i make it aesthetically pleasing yeah exactly but no i can i completely agree with you i think that they all deserve to to stand side by side even even i'm gonna say this which is gonna sound very self-aggrandizing because it's it's what we do and it's been the thing that's like paid my bills but like podcasting Podcasting as well absolutely it's just as valuable i think it's hard because it's not as tangible although movies are not tangible anymore a lot of people you know physical media is dying anyway it's harder to organize your favorite podcast alongside your favorite music or movies or or whatever but like i guess you can get um some sort of merch for them like some podcasts have posters or some even have like books or vinyl or something like that i do have like yeah this isn't so much the podcast of it but i do have like mega 64 blu-rays right so you you can catalog catalog them in that way but otherwise yeah they might not get the same sort of cachet because you don't physically have them the same way that you might physically have stuff like a book or whatever right exactly but yeah like i do love the idea of and, you know, Allie and I will do this where it's like, oh, here's the – we should pick up that show that we were watching. Continue that mm-hmm. show we were watching. Oh, we wanted to to watch this movie. Oh, uh, what audio book are we in the middle of? Like to, we've got all of these different mediums of things that we are, oh, yeah. are both enjoying together, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like what what book are we listening to? What show are we watching? It's nice yeah. to have something that you love in each of these spots. Like diversify the way that you get your entertainment. Yeah, it makes it more entertaining. Yeah. It's kind of the entertainment equivalent of, I don't know if other people have done this since they're home a little bit more, but I've worked from home for a long time and I will do location changes within my house. Right. I'm not, not every single day, but some days I'm like, okay, I'm doing a little work in here. I'm going to go sit on the couch instead. Now I'm going to go in this room instead. And it's kind of similar. Like you can entertain yourself in these different subtle ways. They're all still either telling you a story or giving you information in some way, mm-hmm. but they're just different enough that they can stave off boredom. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, no, I, that, I, I don't even know if I would consider what you just said a hot take. I think it's a hot take because I think people still think that reading is the loftiest one. Reading is the big one. Yeah, I guess so. It's the smartest one to do. Right. You know what I mean? And yes. I don't think it's any better than anything. I really don't. Yeah. you know, And okay. like video games are like stupid. Okay, you know what? Particularly or frivolous. Those or two something. things in particular, I think you're absolutely. Yeah, I think right those about. are the the furthest end of the spectrum. I think that as far as like what's respected and like smart, right? Books 
are the smartest, video games dumbest. Yeah. And I don't agree. Okay. I think it's interesting to, to think about it that way, too. And I wholeheartedly agree with you that that is incorrect. I, I can feel it even now still. I'm 34, mm-hmm. and I can feel the the faint tremors of, aren't I too old to be playing video games? You know? No. And, yeah, my answer is no. It's all entertainment. Who gives a crap? It's all entertainment, and it's, like, fascinating to chart yeah. like it's such a new medium still video games mm. like uh, we recently talked about silent hill on the show like you know a couple months ago mm-hmm. but like i got to play those games for the first time and they're 20 years old and it's like you know it's like seeing the the how film stock has changed over the years filming yeah. techniques are different like you can chart the progress of this medium that's still relatively young and the stories can be so innovative and fascinating and they are Something that you couldn't po- you couldn't correctly convey a video in another game medium in a book. A mm-hmm. book cannot be a video game, just like a video game cannot be a book. Right. You know, like they're each they each cover their own medium perfectly. That's yeah, why people get into all, all those arguments of like, is the movie better than the book? And it's like you know, they're totally different. Like you might be hearing somebody's internal monologue in a book in a way that you don't in a movie. I remember that being, um, a complaint, I don't know if I would call it a complaint, but whatever, an observation that I had about the, the hunger games books versus the movie. Like you were in, I think you were in Katniss's mind, maybe or something, um, in the books. And so you care about her and you get it a little bit more in the books than you do in the movie. Right. And they're just, it's just different. You can't really convey that kind of inner monologue in a movie in a way that's not like really heavy handed or really stylized the same way you can in a book. And that's, they're just different and it's it's all good. Yeah. It's funny too, the idea that like, even in movies now, like we're seeing that medium evolve and change where people are getting kind of annoyed by remakes and reboots and you know, soft reboots and all these things. And it's like, well, a, a, a movie based on a book is kind of a remake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I've always, I've always said that a movie is another opportunity to hone that material even more. Right. Like I mm-hmm. always think that Stephen King, like, like his adaptations usually, um, you know, a few good things, a few bad things might happen in the change into making a movie, but it's like just making another draft of the book. It's a remake. Right. <laughs> like a movie based yeah, on a is. book is a remake. It is. And a lot of times the author works on the movie in some capacity, maybe screenplay or something like right. that. And they might find it's a way to do another take. It's yeah, the exactly. next draft. It's not mm-hmm. done. I think the, the real startling thing is that all the stuff we're making, it's not done. Just it doesn't have to be. It's not done just because yeah. you published it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like it might it might keep changing as it tries other mediums. The shining you can do whatever the hell you want. The shining tried on movies you know like it like pulled on a movie like a costume and it fit like a glove yeah right like but it wasn't the same thing anymore right yeah, it's I, totally I, different i totally agree with you i i think that video games i i really hope that video games continue to be like uh uh pushing the limit and challenging and interesting like i really do hope that i like video game i guess even the title of it it just sounds so diminutive i'm reading a book i'm watching before. a movie yeah. I'm listening to a podcast. The term podcast is also a little uh, yeah. nebulous. It doesn't really mean anything, I guess. Well, I also think that because anybody can make a podcast, like literally anybody can have one and put it up, that 
it has a little bit less of uh, an inherent like validation, right or wrong, right, yeah. than a movie does. Like somebody has to have greenlit a movie or done some stuff. Like literally anybody can just use their phone mm-hmm. and have a podcast now. So I think that also it's true takes away from it as like an entire art form of respect, respecting yeah. this entire thing as a thing. Because it's like, well, that's I mean, anybody true. can. Yeah, that's definitely true. But I can say without a, a shadow of a doubt that some of the video games that I play are not fun. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily having having a ball when I'm playing, right. you know, Silent Hill or something where it's like really dark and, and disturbing and, and psychological and weird. And you, you walk through these corridors and you're like. Oh, these are like extensions of my character's psyche. Like I'm not sitting there yeah. having fun like when you play Mario. Right. You know, like it's it's the difference between reading, you know, uh Moby Dick versus, you know, uh A is for Alibi by Sue Grafton. Sure, there you go. Yeah, it, it, like there's a big spectrum there. There's more of a spectrum right. to video games than I think people f- consider. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably Totally true. agreed. Totally agreed, Kristen. All right, excellent. William, I think we have enough for three-part hot takes. I'm sure we do. <laughs> and I want more. I want more. Spoiler alert. I know. Send, send I us know. your hot takes. I, I'm going to keep going, but I don't think we're going to make it through all of these in this episode. Opinions that you don't think that people agree with. Give it to us. Yes, please. Okay, so this next one is from JD. I believe to a degree in hollow earth theory... Obviously, we have the technology to show that there aren't gigantic hollow sections beneath the Earth's surface, but I think that there were, in the not even so distant past, truly humongous caves and cave systems capable of supporting massive civilizations. They could have had warmer temperatures due to proximity to underground lava flows and not only supported life, but potentially agriculture. I think about the physical United States and how Yosemite is basically a giant volcano. And many American Indian tribes have mythology surrounding their ancestors coming from the earth. I think it's very possible that large groups were living in these underground civilizations, but had to flee above ground due to dangerous conditions and seismic and tectonic movements have have irrevocably buried any evidence. That's challenging. I have never thought of that before. Um, I honestly have to say, I, I do think it counts as a hot take. Well, it's also literally a hot take as lava, right? but, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it would be hard for that to be the case and have us not know that more concretely. Right. Like what would be the reason for us not to be taught that and stuff? And yeah, I guess it, it boils down to whether or not you think that the the disbelief in it is a cover up versus ignorance. that's what I'm thinking. Like, why would we just not talk about that? That just seems like something that could be totally natural. And so, why not talk about that as part of the history of the United States or something? So, yeah, which is it? Is it cover up or is it just not knowing it? It depends. Also, <laughs> let me let me complicate this further. It depends on what you consider a cover up. Something that um I I really loved to to find out. So in working on the 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 Blair Witch uh, box series for for Hunter Killer, um, our head writer Eleanor Haney was talking about how it, this is a true thing that um, many national park maps or you know even pro- probably even park maps of stuff around us here it doesn't have to be like some giant special national park. Um, 
if the map includes like um you know uh notable areas that you could visit like here's the bench that gives you the uh the the great view of the river you know make sure you follow trail 2 to the to the viewing bench or whatever they deliberately leave off areas in that park that are dangerous so if yeah. if there is a cave if there's like a cave system there often you don't even know it's there because the officially printed maps by the county, which effectively means printed by the government, right? Right. If it's local government, um, uh, are covering up that there's a dangerous cave there. Mm -hmm. So does it count as a cover up to say, you know, I to just wanna, not say it, to just, just like not lie say by, it. by omission. Because and by the way, JD didn't say about anything it. about a cover up. I'm just saying like, why will we not have, Oh, totally. Talked about this. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I, I'm. Uh, that's why. Yeah, I'm talking to you, like mm -hmm. to, to for us to like now bat it around. And yeah. this is the kind of thing that like people who send in our stuff, like JD, maybe like I'm a no. I I could add more to this, but I can't because I'm not in the room. But yeah. um. So yeah, the idea being that the Earth is hollow and people could live inside of it, right? So if if that was true or is true, and we knew about it, but we don't teach people it, maybe it's the same reason that we don't say that there's a cave system in the local park, because to teach people about how there's a right. whole part of the Earth that can in, can sustain life and that you can go to, maybe it's super duper dangerous, and it's like... The, the same reason that you make sure that the roads don't lead to Centralia, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Like you just want to make sure that people can't, you know, put themselves in harm's way. Right. Right. So maybe it's yeah. not even so much like a concerted effort to like some clandestine men in black, you know, hiding the truth type of thing, but rather just like, okay, so you think the earth is hollow? Like, all right, feel free to debate it. I'm not going to tell you more about it because that would maybe give away how to get in there and you're going to get mm -hmm. in there and die. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, right, right. Maybe, maybe it's something like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool idea. I mean, beyond, it, it's not even so much like hollow earth theory exactly. It's just like a belief in caves that go pretty deep. Right. Yeah, totally. There was a, I guess, which doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility to me. There's like knowing a, almost nothing about caves. Oh, totally. Yes, I, but like, I, yes. sure. I'm sure there are some that are extremely deep. Kristen and I are experts in nothing. Like no. every episode of God of the Unknown is someone's first. So if this is your first time here and you're kind of enjoying yourself, you should know that we are not professionals in anything other than enjoyment of mystery talking uh, to each other about it exactly um there is there's a, a post that like makes the rounds periodically online of um of an image uh showing two different maps of the united states oh yes yep uh one of them uh is supposedly showing a map of places where people go missing frequently mm -hmm. like of, of unsolved missing persons cases and the other map is showing all of the largest cave systems in the united states of america and um it's going to be very hard for me to show this but the 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 text on this image says the top map shows mysterious cases of people vanishing without a trace the bottom map shows america's largest cave systems and so the the top map is like you know a map of the united states of america with dots all over it and then the other map of the cave systems is approximately those same exact places. <laughs> so it indicates people go missing where there are large cave systems. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like most people, go, I guess what this is kind of saying is like most inexplicable missing persons cases are because of caves. Which caves? I, I'm sure caves are on the list of things that have resulted in people going missing, but this is almost making a 100%. Yes, that they're all in caves. Yeah, uh, but I do, you know, it's a good reason not to there tell people how you get inside the hollow earth. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. It's still if 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 it, if it really did happen that like a lot of first Americans were kind of living in caves and then coming out. Like I understand for safety reasons, not wanting to say exactly where those were, but I just can't think of the reason. And, and maybe it's because I don't know. Just JD just kind of is just whimsically thinking about this. Right. Like if that were a thing, I just feel like we would talk about it. I feel like they just wouldn't point you to exactly where those caves were. Yeah, th- yeah, that's true too. Like, for, there's just no reason not to. Just for the sake of it, this this mm-hmm. thing, this missing persons map versus the cave map, is on Snopes to disprove it or prove it correct. Their yep. rating is a mixture, which is the least satisfying kind of <laughs> response yeah. you can get from Snopes. Um, their summary: What's true? A few similarities exist between a map of mysterious cases of missing persons and a map of cave systems in the United States. What's false? This is not a map of all people who have gone missing in the U.S. It focuses on so-called "quote-unquote" strange disappearances that occurred near national parks. So oh. it's like a subset of a subset. You know, it's it's strange disappearances. Oh. Of people near national parks. Data from the bottom map was overlaid on top to make the quote-unquote coincidence seem stronger. And lastly, correlation does not imply causation. So just because you disappeared near a national park and that national park has a cave does not mean that you disappeared in that cave. It's basically what it's saying. And that's true. Right. 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 Correct. Yeah. All right. So that's... I guess this is filtered to specifically be people who went missing... Near a cave system, <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. basically like what this. Yeah, that's, that's what I was, I was about like to say. The, the dots they're showing are basically just what you said. It's right. people who went missing, and there was a cave system, right. and then it shows like, and look what was by them, the cave system. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, that you that's filtered exactly that. what we were filtering for. Scroll back up to the top of your Excel. What are your filters up here? <laughs> oh, people who disappeared by caves. Yeah, okay, I think I got you there, Bucker. Bucker, yeah, we've Bucko? Bucker, <laughs> Bucker. It's my, don't worry about that. That's a cool thing that I say. I'm trying to make Bucker take off. I know it's working. I think it's cool. Um, I think it's a really cool idea though. Yeah. Oh, I'm down with the speculation of it. Totally. I wonder where, I wonder if this purely was just kind of like thinking and being like, there are caves. I wonder if this could happen or if JD came across anything that like sparked this thought. Yeah. Um, but just yeah, back up, JD, yeah, if there was really- more to it, I'm I'm curious. We haven't even covered Hollow Earth, so I'm sort of like even just going off of mm-hmm. what I know from like pop knowledge. Right. Um, I think it's a very sweet idea, but I don't I I don't know that I can say like, yeah, I'm right there for that hot take. Y'all know it I love to speculate. Hot. Yeah, it is indeed hot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Will, I think this is going to be our last hot take of the episode. Yeah. This one is from Chloe. They say, I think a lot of movies classified as horror should actually be thrillers. For example, I see a lot of people talk about Silence of the Lambs as a horror movie, but considering that it doesn't have any supernatural elements, it can be scary, but not necessarily horror. This is but, the this is a hot take indeed. 
I'm about to say, this is a perfect hot take to end on because I know that William and I, William and I both have thoughts about this. And I applaud the hot take. I, every time that something like truly like blows my mind, I want to like take a stand. I'm glad you're, yeah, put it out there. I want to, what is the bam, 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 that like foghorn yeah, yeah. sound? <laughs> like, yeah, right. You did it. You did it. It's a true hot take for me. I yes. have always heard this in the exact reverse order that mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, most people say, is a thriller. But shouldn't it also be considered a horror? I've always heard this in exactly the opposite order. So this is very interesting. I have heard it this way. Really? More often. That people are like, people say it's horror, but really it's a thriller. I Wow. I'm shocked. I, I seriously have always heard people say it's a thriller. I've heard, I've heard both, but I've certainly heard this. That is fascinating. And I think that it's been... Like, I think that people kind of look at it being admitted to the Oscars as evidence that it's more a thriller than a horror movie. Oh, well, I, you know, I don't like that. I don't either, but I think that that is a thing. Right. I mean, just because something gets to the Oscars and, and, you know, that it, because it got to the Oscars, it should be a thriller is to say horror horror should never be acknowledged by the Academy, Mm -hmm. which I disagree with. I think that horror is a, a completely valid. Uh, form of storytelling. Um, I, this is interesting too, because this also posits uh, uh, the idea that horror should or primarily has elements of supernatural. I know that's what stood out to me about place. this. Right. Yes. Can you can you read it again? Yes. Um, I think a lot of ho- of movies classified as horror should actually be thrillers. For example, I see a lot of people talk about Silence of the Lambs as a horror movie, but considering that it doesn't have any supernatural elements, it can be scary, but not necessarily horror. Let's. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and Google thriller movie. I want to see what the like common definition of this is. I think thrillers are usually kind of like crime based, and right. Silence of the Lambs is certainly that. Yes. D- decidedly but, a crime based yes. movie yeah yes for sure but i think it's th- even though these things do happen in real life i think that it is fantastical in some ways and even though it's not supernatural it's so visceral like i think that there is a a visceral thing to horror that is a little bit less present in thrillers i think that thrillers and i'm saying this as i i'm thinking it as i say it so it's not fully formed sure but i think thrillers might be felt and seen at a little bit of an intellectual distance whereas horror is a little bit more visceral and putting yourself in that spot Ah, that's interesting. In a very real way. So let me think of something that would be a So that you're sort of saying that a thriller is meant to almost be a little bit cerebral while a horror is meant to be a little more boots on the ground Mm -hmm. in the moment. Yes. Yes. With shocks. I think that- Things that shock you. I don't think there are a lot of shocks usually in thrillers. Uh, Something that I would say also rides the line, and I know you just watched this, William- would you call Fatal Attraction a horror movie? Hmm. No. no. Yeah. No, I think I would call it, you know, I guess thriller. There, there are elements of drama in it. Um, yeah. There are elements of, of horror. That funny boiling scene is kind of horror Yes. Yeah, it is, I guess. I don't know. I, I got to tell you, this is weird. As as somebody that I would describe myself as a horror fan, I don't know that I like the I labels. Was, 
thinking about that recently. Right. I know. I know. I d- so I think this is interesting to think about, but I also find it frustrating to think about um, because it doesn't matter that much to me. I almost find it like a little um, – I'm not saying that Chloe's irrelevant or anything at all, but just kind of like – who cares? And I understand that we categorize things and catalog them. And because we already do it, it's interesting right. to see what fits into those categories. But I, yeah, I kind of, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I like things that are, that have an element of suspense and mystery. And some of those things you could say are horror. And some of them you could say are thrillers. I, I almost feel like the genre terms are largely marketing terms. I think they are because why else does it really matter? Right. It doesn't really matter. You wrote a story and maybe there are things about it that have that zing of horror. Yeah. And maybe they don't. And I I do think it's marketing something. That's not saying marketing's fine. Like you have to let people know what's out there and what they could be watching or taking in. And so having labels is useful for that reason. Yeah. But in a lot of other ways, like labels just aren't that useful. I ran into this recently when I wrote an article for Hunt to Killer about found footage movies. Right. And I was talking about what counts as found footage and what doesn't. And I like almost like metaphorically or maybe actually like wanted to push my computer away. And I was like, I don't really care. Why am I even writing about this? Like who kind of cares if it's found footage who's, or not? Who's keeping the keys? Yeah, right. What's the big deal? Like, maybe this counts as it, maybe it doesn't. But again, because other people have established this, it is kind of interesting to look at, but I find it kind of frustrating at the same time where I'm just like, if I like it, I like it. I, I, I don't really I care. Agree. I agree. I'm sort of, I'm going to be sort of a hypocrite here because I do think that it's it's worth examination. But like the function of these terms is either, I think, to convey what you are trying to create. It's a good shorthand to say, Rather than being like, well, I want to elicit fear and tension in my viewing audience. Be like, yeah, I'm trying to make a horror and movie. So I will create a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, it's yeah. it's it's good to communicate to your the people who are either like backing your production or your production partners that way. It's important to communicate to the audience. Here's what you're gonna get. This is a horror movie. But me as the person who takes these things in, me as the consumer of it, I just like what I like. You know what I mean? Like I like scary stuff. And so mm-hmm. I, in my head, put Silence of the Lambs right alongside along, uh, you know, a, a lot of my other favorite movies that also creep me out and scare me. Um, I do too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they're just things yeah. that I like. But if I have to find the dividing line, I guess I would think of things that feel a little bit like horrifying not to overuse you know horror horrifying and you can kind of put yourself in that position versus things that you're at a little bit of a remove and watching the story unfold yeah yeah and and silence of the lambs i think is visceral in that way i mean it literally puts you in the pov at one point yeah you can also kind of put yourself in the shoes of being in that pit and it feels kind of visceral and like, oh, God, can you imagine? Right. Like looking at the fingernails on the walls and stuff versus something like, what's something that I think is a thriller? Um, I watch a lot of thrillers. Why am I blanking? Along Came a Spider. Okay. Versus like Along Came a Spider, which is like fun to watch. It's exciting. You see the twists and turns, but I think you feel them a little bit less. Right. So I guess my dividing line is a visceral feeling as opposed to supernatural or not. And I find Silence of the Lambs to be a very visceral movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's interesting. Just for the sake of it. 
Uh, Wikipedia's sort of definition of a thriller. Uh, they say thriller film, also known as suspense film or suspense thriller, is a broad film genre that evokes excitement and suspense in the audience. The suspense element found in most films' plots is particularly exploited by the filmmaker in this genre. Tension is created by delaying what the audience sees as inevitable and is built through situations that are menacing or where escape seems impossible. Hmm. So I, I, it's funny because I do think that those elements, this is like reading a horoscope in a way, because I, I almost feel like you could say something very similar about horror, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it evokes excitement and suspense. Um, yeah. The suspense element is particularly exploited by the filmmaker in this genre. Tension is yeah, created totally. by delaying what the audience sees as inevitable. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, that applies to me equally to Jaws and Jason and Kiss well, the Girls. And, you know, like. Interestingly, so Chloe's isn't going to be totally the last uh, hot take because I realized the very next one is completely. In the same category, Caitlin's hot take was that Jaws is not a horror movie. Aha. Uh-huh. See, that's so interesting. Caitlin too. and Chloe are thinking similarly. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, where where is your line? I almost think that it's it might be something that is like up to the individual to decide, which is again why I applaud the hot take. It's yours. Too. Your like world, in your world, for you, these rules can be whatever you want them to be. So, I like, also think hell that yeah. In- in general, maybe the broader defining dividing line for for people who whoever it is who decides these things is violence or graphic violence. I think that that's interesting though too. Jaws, right? Like I think that we all agree. I think we all agree that Jaws is like you know one of the biggest blockbuster adventure films. You know, it's early Spielberg. He sort of you know like invented the blockbuster. Um, we all love it. People of all ages love Jaws. It's also a movie where the Kittner boy uh, is ripped apart by a shark and everyone's running and screaming and there's blood in the water that's blooming out. It's also the movie where Richard Dreyfuss jumps into the water to examine the hull of a ship and he sees uh, a severed head float through the hole. It's also the movie where Quint is bitten in half by the shark and shaken around on the boat as blood spurts out of his mouth. So... What is Jaws? Do do people not like horror? Right? Like h- horror is the video games of yes. film genres. Right? I think like, a lot of it is that, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that horror everybody thinks that horror is um uh, uh Jack Frost 2 Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman. <laughs> That's what people think. There's like a twist of insult to horror. It's yes. like a little bit invalidating. It's a little bit of a put down, which is why terms like prestige horror and yeah. thriller is so important because it's saying we're not like that. Yes. Don't worry. I'm not like um, <laughs> Leprechaun <laughs> back to the hood. Yes. <laughs> don't Don't worry. <laughs> uh it's interesting because like you know yeah. under the right circumstances general audiences love to see a guy with blood dribbling out of his face mm-hmm. <laughs> they're fine with it yes they just need to know that it wasn't made by a dummy yeah <laughs> that's yeah, really by a prestigious director who you right. can trust for quality i think it's fascinating you can't always trust horror for quality it right minds true it's it which is the the same with comedy 
And same with podcasts. Like I was just saying, you can't always trust that genre for quality because it's not quality controlled as much. A thousand percent. And oh, you, that, you that, like romantic movies? Okay, well, should we judge all romantic movies by what's on the Hallmark channel or or the best of it? Can't we right. judge things by the their own merits rather than label the entire genre by the worst parts of it? I mean, honestly, I really everything is like this. I, oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Totally. No, I know. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying it's just I've I've come to just feel that every single thing on earth is like this. Nothing is just one thing. There's a spectrum for absolutely every single category of everything. Absolutely. Everything. Everything mm-hmm. is a spectrum. Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating. I love talking about it. I yeah, love it. So I applaud the hot take, but Me I am, too. I am always eager to see, um, Oh, people love, love a quiet place but they're not going to tolerate, you know, Tremors or something like that. I mean, Tremors is a bad example. Tremors was very popular, but like, you know what I mean? Like what is the what, what is the what is the 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 general audience's palate? When do they yeah. allow horror in? What are they going to call it to get away with liking it? <laughs> you know. That's right. I also wrote an article about this. Yeah. If you go to hotpeeler.com/blog. You did. You've covered it all. You've said it all, Kristen. You've probably said too much. In fact, I think I have, so I better get out of here. <laughs> this was great. I, I love doing these. And guess what? We're going to have a third. These are free, like, these these are, like, free-flowing, nonlinear conversations. I think they're very enjoyable. I really yeah. hope that people out there are enjoying them as well, because I, there's, I have a problem, and I might not be able to get enough of this. I know. Um, I really, really like it. So send we're in your hot it. takes. The hotter, the better. I don't. You can see it. May, even if I disagree with you, I hope it doesn't come across as saying you're wrong. No one's wrong or right. All everything we're saying here is a pure opinion. I applaud, applaud everybody's hot takes. I love hearing them. I love horror, and I love talking about it and taking the temperature of it and debating it. I love it. I want it's this to very, be my life, and it kind of is. Yes, it's super, <laughs> yeah. super fun and interesting. Hell yeah. So by all means. Yeah, send them in. GTTUpod at gmail.com, at GTTUpod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, let us know. Let us know. Um, all right, everybody. All right. We are at the end. Uh, GTTUpod.com. Find the links there to get to Patreon. Uh, find the links to get to our T public store so you can get some merch. Uh, talk to other listeners and viewers in our Discord. We've also got a private Facebook group if you're not one of the Patreon backers. Um, get into it. Let's let's really mix it up. I love debating these things. I think it's very, very fun. Uh, you can also talk to us. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. And I am at The Myth Traveler. So we will see you all again next time for more horror discussions sometimes discussions about horror but until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld go we cool I I truly feel amped this is probably what kids felt like on the debate team right like (laughs) you know it's like not even a debate because we're just we're just talking about it right while i was while i was just like dreaming of getting that relaxation class in gym oh my god the kids were doing in in debate class where they're getting themselves amped yeah getting pumped